You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savian! SportsShooting.com Radio Network is on the air. It's the Bob Matthews Show. Delighted that you are with us. Hey, happy uh, Beaujolais Nouveau Day. Did you know that the new Beaujolais Nouveau came out today? It's actually, I guess, a little redundant to say the new Beaujolais Nouveau because, well, Beaujolais Nouveau, by definition, is, you know, new. So it's got that going for it, which is nice. Got a good show for you today. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Chase Young, head of Cincinnati. Yes, that's right. The Washington football team is on to Cincinnati and has been for a couple of days. Uh, one piece of news out of Ashburn today. I guess you could call it a piece of news. Jerron Christian officially on the injured reserve list. So his season is most likely over. And is that a bad thing? Eh, not really. I think we may have seen um, Christian possibly play his last game in a Washington uniform. But we are going to start today with some hockey talk. That's right. NHL is supposed, and I emphasize supposed, to start the 2021 season on or about New Year's Day. That means that things got to get going here pretty quickly because, I mean, next week's Thanksgiving. You got to have at least a two-week training camp. That's that's mandated by the NHL Players Association agreement with the league. So that means uh, folks better get hopping on things pretty soon. So with that in mind, we are doing a deep dive with somebody that knows a little bit about that. It's Samantha Pell of the Washington Post who joins us now right after... We cue the dramatic music. Washington Capitals insider Samantha Pell of the Washington Post joins us. And if you are jonesing for some hockey coverage, well, she has got it up on the website right now. And as always, buy subscription. And if you live here in the 757, of course, get a subscription because they deliver. Sam, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to jump on. Let us jump right into it. Uh, the story today, you're kind of running down all of the questions about when hockey might start in the NHL. What are we looking at as of today? I know league officials want a New Year's Day start, but is that still realistic? Yeah. So, you know, as of right now, the league is still targeting that January 1st date. You know, they've kind of caveated it by saying, you know, as early as January 1st. But when you look at the timeline, I mean, we're already, what, it's November 19th right now, so a yeah. couple weeks away from December. Realistically, you know, camp is a two-week mandatory training camp, so that means they'd have to start mid-December. For the other seven teams that didn't make it to the 2020 postseason, they get an extra week of training. So think about that. That'd probably be like first or second week of December. So the clock is really ticking here for the NHL to make things happen. So while that date still seems possible, I mean, we're we're really counting down the days, seconds, hours realistically to make a deal and make this plan happen. 
Yeah. And realistically, have you, um, I know that, you know, you and other beat writers talk, I mean, do we see anything, any indications from any of the teams locally that, that training camp is getting ready to happen? Are there any signs of that out there right now? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of hard to tell about that just because players are back on the ice. So, you know, especially in DC, there's a lot of guys already at MedStar Capitals Iceplex just going through. Uh, it's not mandatory skates. It's optional skates. It's what we'd see, you know, in the off season when guys are just kind of around DC, they want to, you know, practice their skills. So you have guys like TJ Oshie, Tom Wilson, uh, Backstrom, Lars Eller, uh, Garnet Hathaway, Nick Dowd, guys like that are already on the ice. They're already practicing. Elias Samsonov, we've seen out there, which is good news for the Capitals. So, <laughs> um, exactly. So overall, you know, guys are out there. They're already in town. Maybe we'll start seeing more of the Europeans start to come back over, and maybe that's the signal that we're all kind of looking for to see if the season's going to start. But honestly, you know, people in the hockey community, they really don't have much clue. I think they're kind of all in the dark in terms of when they're actually going to start. Obviously, the NHL and the Players Association are going through talks right now, but I believe Pierre Lebrun said the other day the timeline is about seven to ten days if they hope to have a deal done. So we're hoping in the next week or so that something happens, but yeah, it's definitely uh, getting close. And, and now we've heard talks about uh, about like semi-temporary hubs and things like yep. that. So I guess the biggest question for Caps fans is, will the Caps be playing at Capital One Arena? What are the chances of it? And then are we at this point today, although it could change tomorrow, the day after, any plans for any fans whatsoever to be in there? Yeah, so I just think the first part in terms of hubs, I can't really see Capital One Arena as being a hub just because of the local restrictions right now. I believe the Wizards were asked about if fans could even be in there for NBA games at Capital One Arena, and they pretty much said, look, like our hands are tied. It's the NBA. It's local restrictions. You can't have gatherings more than 50 people indoors in D.C. right now. So it just seems pretty unrealistic at the moment. Uh, I would assume, you know, the NHL obviously wants fans. They need fans in buildings for revenue. Um, but I know they've talked about the transition model, right? So maybe mm -hmm. we just do hubs for a little bit, then they transition to teams going back to their home arenas. And maybe that's when you get fans later on when the pandemic is maybe more under control in the next, what, three, four months. And you maybe get fans the last two months of the season, or maybe it's just playoffs, who knows? But it just seems highly unrealistic for fans to be back in buildings in, you know, a month and a half. And for NHL teams, I mean, for NHL clubs, this is it's a much different thing than than certainly football and even basketball yeah. to a lesser extent. Baseball, I mean, of the four majors, ticket revenue drives drives the budgets for NHL teams more than any of the other three. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we've already seen, you know, last post and postseason, they were talking about all these TV revenue and the deals that they were making and how much money. But you're right. It really is in the regular season. It's got its people in seats it's all those ticket sales that ticket revenue driving all of that for the players they have escrow you know they split that so it's going to be really interesting i think to see how the league approaches this but you know obviously they want fans in seats but just for health and safety reasons it just seems not possible right now off the top of your head and i hate to put you on the spot but off the top of your head i mean are there any clubs that you could see being or, or owners that could be in legitimate financial peril if you know the ticket revenue doesn't come back this next year. I mean, we know Ted Leonsis is a billionaire, several yeah. times owner and a lot of others, are, but are, are there any owners left that, you know, this is their main deal. And if it's, you know, as you know, their financial condition goes as ticket revenue goes. Yeah. I think that's a good question. I mean, the first club that I think of is Arizona, but 
they do have a lot of money backing from their owner. It's just, you know, regularly they don't have a lot of ticket sales in general. So right. I'd be maybe concerned for a club like that. You also look at, I think a good indication is a lot of the clubs that had to slash and a lot of their employee salaries, um, you know, right before the pause, during the pause, after the pause, you know, Tampa just eliminated, I believe, 30 plus full-time jobs. The Bruins eliminated a lot of jobs, you know, back a few months ago. So for some of those clubs, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty good indication that they can't afford everyone that they have on their books right now. So if it continues to go this way, I think I'd be a little concerned, but I mean, I think overall, a lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of franchises are probably going to be losing money right now. Talking with Samantha Pell, beat writer for the Washington Post. She covers the Caps, and hopefully we're going to get a deep uh, playoff run for her this year. Um, okay, as far as the big club goes, um, how how are the how are the kids doing? Uh, I know, I guess, um, I guess Connor McMichaels, did I do that right? Because you know yes. me, I always have the mental block with Michael McDavid with the Connor. Yes. <laughs> All right, so so the AHL not going to start. I know, I know, McMichael is thinking he can make a push for the for the opening mm-hmm. day roster. That's going to be hard if he's going to play center. Um, but uh, and, and um, uh, Hendricks Lapierre, I guess his junior season at the club whose name I can't even hope to pronounce. They've just started. He looks like he's off to a, a pretty good start this year, right? Yeah, he's off to a really good start. I think a lot of people were encouraged by his progress. Obviously, the injuries that he went through, uh, I think it scared a lot of teams off, obviously, in that draft for him to drop all the way to the Capitals. But so far, so good for him. You know, the Capitals are really looking forward to him and his progression. And yeah, he's done well. Now it's all about, okay, are all of these teams, all of these clubs overseas going to continue with their play? You know, we've already seen um, the ECHL teams are dropping out so we're just going to see how things go but yeah overall I think promising for those prospects are there any uh, are there any um, guys that are out on loan overseas that if they can't make it back would open up you know legitimately open up some spots on the opening day roster or are we mostly talking about guys that are either strictly Hershey players or, or guys that are on two-way contracts that only come up when there's you know an injury or something yeah, I really do think that Connor McMichael is the only one um, that could really make a big time splash in the big leagues. I think, you know, the Capitals right now, they basically only have 12 active forwards on their roster. When you look at it, they have, you know, eight defensemen realistically that they want to kind of run with two goalies and that kind of fills out all of their salary cap space. So I really think, you know, Daniel Sprong is probably going to be the one that makes the jump up. Um, to play on that third or fourth line and then they're going to have to do some maybe some shuffling but Connor McMichael it seems like he would get his shot it's just really hard to say where he would fit into this roster next year yeah because I would imagine that you know if a guy has has played you know his whole professional career or a lot of it as a center you know I mean you yeah you can put him on a wing and you know the player (laughs) would be happy to play on a wing just to get a shot at the NHL but you don't want to stunt their development at say the center position if you're projecting you know if you're projecting him to be your next generation of center one of your next generations of centers yeah absolutely and you know maybe the capitals just don't have the room for him on their roster this year it doesn't mean he's not a good enough player to make it it just means you know just the way things have worked out for the next season this is how they look and this is how they want to continue but they obviously have a lot of faith in mcmichael they brought him to the toronto bubble like he's not just going to be a guy that kind of fades away they have the faith in him um, so I could definitely see, you know, in a couple of years, when some of these other contracts go out, you know, the expansion draft happens, you're going to lose, yeah. you know, player there. 
So I don't think it's not the end of the world if Connor McMichael does not make the big time roster next season. Right. Does not mean that he is regressed whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, okay. So, so real quick, uh, well, it doesn't have to be real quick. What am I thinking? We, we're, we're not up. <laughs> we have against time. The, yeah. We're, we're not up against a break, but what should we look for? You said seven to 10 days. So what should we look for in the next seven to 10 days as a sign that either it's, it's, it's gonna happen or we, yeah, or, or it's not, or <laughs> it looks like we're, you know, we're still a little ways off. Yeah, definitely. I think the talks in between the NHL and the NHLPA, there's a 16 player committee or return to play committee, very, very similar to what they did for the return to play plan for the 2020 postseason. So same idea, still trying to figure out exactly how schedules work, how hubs work. Are we going to have division realignments? That's probably likely with the Canadian, you know, border, not letting non-essential travel to Canada from the U.S. So we're thinking maybe we'll see some Canadian hubs and you'll see three maybe in the United States. You're thinking probably east, west and something in the middle, um, probably like a central division. So I think if you guys start to see maybe those rumblings start to come out more, you start to see divisions maybe coming out from some of those top insiders like an Elliot Friedman, a Pierre Lebrun. That's a probably good indication that things are going well. Obviously, we're also talking about money. They're talking about escrow. They're talking about, can we renegotiate some deals because of this shortened season? So that's the biggest speed bump. I think the NHL and the NHLPA is hitting right now is how do we make sure we are paying players the way we want to pay them slash how much do players want this money? Um, so that's probably the biggest speed bump. I think you guys are going to hear a lot about money talks and just financial burdens and the next seven to 10 days as well. But overall, I would say when you start to see some of these hubs coming out, when you start to see these realignments, I think those are pretty good signs. Okay. Final question. Do we know if Braden Holtby ever got those turtles across the border the other day? <laughs> I was actually just looking at this this morning. His wife, Brandy, tweeted something that said, you know, a lot of people have reached out to help and the border <laughs> is aware of this tortoise situation so that Braden Holpe can cross the Canadian border. But I know they're actually working on a solution right now. So uh, I know she tweeted something like, oh, I'll let you guys know when they're safely in Canada, sipping a double double and sharing some Timbits. I miss them, um, Sam. I miss <laughs> the Holpe so much already. <laughs> you know, they're such a great family, I think. You know, everyone in Vancouver, I know, is going to really love them. But I'm sure a lot of Capitals fans, honestly, are going to be watching the Canucks next season. You have Holtby, you have Jay Beagle. Yeah. Um, oh, God, all those guys up there. So, yeah, I think I think it'll be really interesting, Nate Schmidt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> a big part of our hearts now is in Vancouver. Samantha Pell from The Washington Post. Sam, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, time to go out to Ashburn. Again, we are on to Cincinnati. Well, I say we, I think, you know, I mean the Washington football team when I say we. Today is Chase Young Day. He talks to reporters every Thursday. And, of course, the there were two big topics on the table this week. First one being the fact that in Cincinnati, he is facing an old teammate of his, Joe Burrow, who before leading LSU to a national championship was an Ohio State Buckeye. So we asked Chase what he remembers about playing against Burrow. Uh, Joe was a real good leader. Uh, he led by example. Um, he was always real composed. I just felt like just uh, in everything he did, 
um, you know, he, he's definitely a guy that you would want leading your team for sure. Um, and I, th- I feel like he's proven that this year. Yeah, there are a lot of ex-Ohio State standouts, obviously, that you play against when you get in the NFL. That was question number two. And what's it like going against an ex-teammate? Uh, definitely fun. Uh, it's never really weird because, um, you know, I know how much work we put in um, in college. So, you know, when our guys come to the league and ball out, I'm not really surprised. One thing we probably – well, I know one thing I'm looking for this week is Chase Young to get off the schneid when it comes to the sacks. Uh, Cincinnati gives up a ton of them. I'm going to be very surprised, even with double, being double and triple team, if Chase Young doesn't get to Joe Burrow at least once, if not twice. The other topic, of course, the big topic was the Lions game and that roughing the passer penalty. And give him credit, uh, Chase – talked about it, manned up, and said, yep, you know, it was his fault. He shouldn't have done it. And you got any questions, bring it at him. Yeah, I mean, you know, during the play, I was going full speed. Um, you know, I was just going hard. Um, I feel like in that play, if I stopped, uh, I may have could have injured something because I was just going full speed. So, um, I mean, you know, for that, it was just a tough play, um, you know. And I, I was going full speed, and I, I really couldn't. You know, I had no thought of slowing down for real. Uh, you know, when he initially had the ball, because I was just trying to get the sack. So, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, you know, I, I I learned from my mistakes, and my mistakes help me grow. Oh, uh, you know, n- nothing but um, nothing but respect. Um, and you know, proud of me. Um, you know, and just knowing that I can, uh, you know, I'm gonna hold myself accountable. Um, and, you know, I'm, uh, you know, just be a man about everything I do. Um, you know, I just feel like that brings, uh, something different. Um, you know, just another element, um, to our team, um, that, that, that definitely can, uh, you know, help us elevate and, and just keep holding each other accountable. And, uh, I feel like that's, if, if, if accountability, I feel like one of those things, uh, we have to do, um, you know, to, to, to get better each week. I like it. Very contrite, and he is not afraid to, you know, face the music on it. And I, I think that he uh, that he handled it well. All right, making the clock on the wall. Say so we got to get out of here. Football Friday tomorrow. Rhiannon Walker of the Athletic, our special guest. If everything goes according to plan, have you a good one. Enjoy Thursday night football. And remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, you wear white. <laughs>